Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, the EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow, their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, you can, just, you can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow would I shoot vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. You and can they do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, vectorcustomshop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. Well, let's let's jump right in. Um, Dan, thanks for jumping on the podcast with me today. You're welcome. You can call me Tickman if you'd like. Tickman, uh, I, I just got back from Montana, coming from Michigan, uh, and in Michigan we have a lot of ticks, um, or at least more than I've ever had ever seen before. And, and coming from Montana, where, and I've told the story a couple times, I went to sit the glass for bears and i look and i'm like oh look at all those ants and they were all ticks uh crawling around like like a pile of ants getting all over us uh and so i've been thinking about this it bothers me because like in the spring that's when you see it the most at least you know for me um and i'm like man i need to know more about ticks and that was right when you you reached out so i thought man it would be uh the tick man himself would be the perfect person to have on the pod podcast so why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself what you do and we'll we'll dive into ticks a little bit sure i'll try to keep it brief if i go on just cut me off it's fine i'm used to it um <laughs> well we have a, we have a lot in common our geographic areas you know the upper midwest is very similar in uh, tick activity levels as as the Northeast, it has historically, these two areas of the US have been really where most of the, um, uh, and a good majority, most and a good majority of the reported cases of tick-borne illness occur and have occurred. However, that is changing. So what's happening is we have ticks spreading into new areas very rapidly. There's a lot of um, uh, reasons for that. And I don't see any um, slowing down of, of that spread. So. Um, uh, you know, I think it up until a few years ago, it was like more than 90% of all reported cases were occurring in about 14 different states, right. mostly in the upper um, Midwest, as well as the Northeast. So I, I actually got started um, hunting deer kind of later in life, uh, in my late 20s. I don't think I actually ever held a gun until I was in my late 20s. And then uh, like a tick, I, I was bitten. 
and <laughs> and I couldn't get out of the woods and I really, really enjoyed it. But I have a different take on hunting than I think a lot of um, uh, normal hunters have. And that is that I focused specifically on the phenomenon of suburban deer hunting, or as I like to call it, neighborhood hunting. And, uh, you know, outside of Boston, you don't think, oh, well, that's, yeah, there's a mecca of giant bucks and whitetails, you know, and, and all that stuff. But um, uh, there were pockets of high deer densities, and they were increasing rapidly back in the, oh, I'd say mid to late 90s. And um, so I took advantage of that, basically. And that's how I got involved with ticks, because at the same time, these deer densities were increasing in these more affluent areas um, around the suburbs of Boston. The tick activity was uh, also increasing. So, you know, we were looking at deer densities of anywhere between 25 and 30 per square mile, but even more concentrated areas because of the suburban uh, design, the, the makeup of the suburban settings. So there were pockets of heavily wooded areas. Um, and then pockets in between, you know, homes and corridors that we could map out. So I, I took advantage of that. I started a group called Mass Deer Service way back when. And what I did was I had a knack for, you know, I was involved with sales my whole life. So I basically turned my sales experience into a private property gathering tool. And what I did was I was able to create a few things, a website. I had signs on my vehicle, business cards promotional stuff. And I'd go to events and promote uh, a nuisance deer removal service. So that could rub a lot of people the wrong way. But, you know, I, I didn't start with the traditional approach to hunting. And what we were doing is the real angle that we were taking to get involved with these private properties was we'll help reduce the number of nuisance deer on your properties. They won't eat as much of your expensive landscapes you potentially can reduce the amount of exposure you have to ticks and uh, we can police the area. We can make sure, you know, nothing's going on that shouldn't be going on, which we discovered a lot of actually, especially in those areas closer to conservation land where yeah. there was a lot of, uh, let's say people hunting that were not legitimately supposed to be there. So <laughs> that's the best hunting spots are the ones where you're not supposed to be. <laughs> right, right. You know, the uh, somebody said to me once, what does that posted sign mean? I said, it means bow only. <laughs> yeah, you got to be quiet. Get in and out in the dark. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, we, we we're you know, with the with the way the environmental police, the game wardens are around here, uh, they're pretty tough. So, yeah. um, we, you know, especially nowadays, things have have turned a little bit more strict as far as law enforcement goes. So um, I'm not saying that we uh, engaged in any, in any illegal activities. We never would do that. But um, even if you're not, in not intending to do something and you encounter the, the our Massachusetts EPOs, you may experience uh, quite a bit of a shakedown. So anyway, so that's how I got involved. So I was getting written permission, which is what's required on private property here in Massachusetts on ex exclusive landowners that wanted to get rid of these deer for those reasons I spoke of earlier. And so I ended up creating, I had like a hundred properties on the list at one point, all in Eastern mass and all where there was lots of deer activity. So I then uh, enlisted um, or reached out to the bow hunting community in the area and mostly professional guys that, you know, lived in the suburbs, worked in Boston, um, wanted to get out and go hunting but didn't have the time to spend a few days at a time. They could get out in the morning, be yeah. at work by nine or 10, even harvest a deer and be at work still, you know, by 10 o'clock, they could come out pick up their kids, run out into the stand and, and everything was cool. And uh, I did charge them in what I called an intermediary fee uh, which like was for my service. So I would do the legwork. I would do the interview process. We'd test for proficiency with uh, a license or a certified archery instructor at a range and if they became eligible, they would pay me a fee and they would have the choice to uh, renew that property uh, annually. And I tell you, I got a, I got a lot of guys that just never left the program until I, I disbanded it. So at this point, I've got 46 tree stands up and I've, I've I don't do the service anymore. I have about five or six of my good buddies that we all share everything and and um, uh, we've got 
you know, probably between us, you know, a hundred cameras out and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, is some good deer on camera. I'm sorry. You get, you have some good deer on camera. You getting some good bucks. Oh out there? yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. All the time, all the time. It's, it's, a, but putting them down is another story as you sure. know. Yeah. Um, and while I was with the group, the idea was that we were to remove deer. We were not to discriminate. Sure. The only yeah. reason the landowners wanted us with there was to remove deer. They didn't care if it was a yearling, a skipper, a female, a spike, a, or a giant. It was just uh, take the deer. And I actually got a bit of grief from a landowner who watched a um, uh, one of my hunters in a tree in the backyard with three does underneath him. And he neglected to take advantage of that opportunity <laughs> uh, because it was close to the rut and he was, you know, waiting for the buck to show up. Sure. So, so we got a lot of uh, we had some problems with that. But um, uh, needless to say, my home is littered with giant bucks. And that's not because I'm a real buck hunter. It's just that they were there. While At the I wrong time. Hunting. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, um, I had the biggest uh, state record for muzzleloader in 2008, second biggest archery buck, according to Northeast Big Bucks um, magazine. What did it uh, score? Uh, that was, it was 185 and seven eighths. Wow. And that was a muzzleloader. Didn't, the record didn't hold for more than a year or two, but at that point it was the biggest one. Um, and then it, it fell. And then I just, you know, a nice, uh, 159 incher, you know, a uh, couple of years ago, and I've got a, just a variety of deer on the wall in between, you know, probably 120 and 150 inches. So it's, it's fun. And I spent a lot of time in the trees. So that's how I got involved with ticks because I had experienced a divorce where I was now the caretaker, single dad of two uh, young boys. And I had always loved dogs. So I always have dogs around the house. Sure. And I was starting to bring ticks in all over the place. Yeah. They were, I was finding them in my bed. I mean, you know, in the bed, in the truck, in the laundry room, um, the kids were getting them. And I started freaking out because it, it was a big thing at that time. People were yeah. suffering yeah. from Lyme. I mean, it's a big thing now, but it was just kind of maturing a little bit as far as cases went and, and, and people becoming more aware uh, because of the sheer numbers of bites that were occurring. So um, uh, I, I just needed to do some research on how to protect myself. And I kind of fell in love with the tick themselves. And my favorite is, is, uh, is the deer tick. This That's is, the this bad is, one. That's the one we don't like. This is the one we don't like, but I kind of have a love-hate relationship. All right. And I just dove into it. So I've really been fascinated by these critters for a long, long time, even way before um, uh, I started really getting serious about protection and, and prevention. But, uh, you know, what I what I kind of focused on was tick removal because sure. people really neglected that. And even the experts and the doctors, nobody really talked about it too much. Um, and I kind of looked at what was out there and they had all these sorts of gadgets you know this this plastic spoon and a, oh, i've seen the spoon a bottle cap thing and and i kept reading up on it they kept saying fine tip tweezers fine yeah. tip tweezers and i said okay well i need some fine tip tweezers and there was nothing specifically for ticks the jeweler's tweezers i looked up were like a hundred bucks and you know these medical tweezers were real expensive so i said to myself self <laughs> What are we going to do here? So I did see the value in what, what I call the slotted scoop method. Yeah. I didn't, see the right value, I didn't see the value in this product because of the way, the way it's designed plus the material it's made out of. So I had the, I had the idea uh, to incorporate two methods of tick removal into one device. And here in my studio slash basement, mm -hmm. I went to work with all my design experience, which was none. I used tinfoil to create a prototype. Oh, sure. Like <laughs> most people, you know, making a tick removal device, you grab yeah. a little tinfoil. A little tinfoil. So anyway, we came up with this, or I came up with this, and you could see the scoop on this, and you could see it as compared to that. So the now, back of it's a metal prong, and that you use like a, like a, you use for fixing a divot, right? Well, basically, you're going you're gonna to remove the tick by coming in on it like sideways and then mm -hmm. all you do is lift straight up 
you know, you, people tend to want to try to pry it up, which is okay, but straight up is a little bit better, uh, just given the the anatomy of the mouth parts of that tick. Yeah. So um, that would be good for easy to reach places with larger engorged ticks, like I'm sure you've seen, like oh. those. Those yeah, they look like suckers. gray peas when they get full. I always think like a oh, gray, yeah. gray pea. So, so that's nice. <laughs> that would be what I would recommend for pets for animals. Yeah, um, you can go in real quick, lift straight up and pop it out. Um, but you know, more importantly for people is and uh, yeah, you could see the sharp tips on that. I put an angle on it so you can you know for further ease of use. And you can see how it grabs that hair. Um, I've had nymphal stage deer ticks feed in my belly button. And in order you, I mean, and I, I've done this challenge before. I said, if you show me a nymphal tick in your belly button, you try to use either of these two devices to get it out or the, none of the scoops are going to work. No, I said, you know, I'll give you $10,000 right now. If you can, (laughs) yeah. You know, if you can guarantee that you're going to do that with this tool. So when when this product, the tick key says ninety nine point nine percent effective, that's the point one percent. I don't believe it. <laughs> it's more All than one percent. Right. That's I, where they normally go. I mean, ticks will go to the warm spots, which are belly buttons, back of ears. You know, holy cow, look how small those are. Those are nymphal stage deer ticks. So the problem is if you have a tick that's feeding. Yeah. Sorry about that. And you are, and it's so small and you're trying to get it off with this and you end up not getting it in the slot and you're pushing down on the, on the abdomen or the soft part of this tick, you're going to rupture it. You're going to pop it. You're going to squeeze it. And then you'll have this stuff that I, you know, it's medical, very medical, uh, medical terminology here. Yucky tick juice. Yeah. You don't want the yucky. Tick you don't juice. want that anywhere near you or, or your bite, the bite side or near where you put your fingers in your eyes or your nose or anything like that. You're only, you're just asking for trouble. So I know you asked me a very simple, quick question. <laughs> no, it's perfect. That's where I was headed. Uh, because I mean, the, the nymph ones are, I, I don't, are they, they're the worst in my opinion, because you can see the bigger ones, the adult stage, but when you get those little things, I I've never found one on me. Um, I don't get bit as much as other people that I'm with for some reason, but I usually see bigger ones. And that always leads me to believe I've got pretty dark, thick hair. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike Jared, who's on the podcast, uh, sometimes too, he's bald. So he's got no worry about finding ticks on his, his dome. Right. But me, it's like, man, if there was a nymph in my hair, there's unless I'm shaving my head, I'm not going to see it. So let's unpack it a little bit because I want to I want to get into that. Uh, so first things first, ticks, right there. You mentioned that they're spreading, right? Um, for the, the first question that comes to mind is why why are they spreading? Uh, you know, I, I've talked about this in the podcast before, but growing up, I spent a lot of time in the woods. Um, I was not allowed to come inside. The door was locked. I was made to stay outside. I was, I me and my two brothers. Um, and and so spent a lot of time outside in West Michigan and Northern Michigan. Never even, I knew what a tick was. And I, I never really, I didn't really know it though. Like I never had any exposure to it until I want to say probably seven, eight years ago, suddenly I started getting ticks. And so I guess my first question is like, what's going on? What, why are they spreading? Why are they here when they didn't used to be? Yeah. And that's a great question. And I grew up in, um, in Maryland, Mm -hmm. which is a a very ticky area now as well. And uh, actually part of my growing up was in Maryland part was outside of Boston. And, uh, you know, back in the day, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm sure of it. Um, you know, we didn't sit and play video games. We were outside no, and I was thinking right. we were tinkering around with our bikes and we had go-karts and we were out fishing and, and hanging out by the pond and all that stuff. Never did I experience a tick. Right. I remember in my memory at day camp one, one year, there was a dog that had some ticks on it, but that was probably the dog ticks. So that was about it for my childhood experiences with ticks. Now there's a lot of things going on. Um, we have this proliferation of wildlife, uh, in, in suburban settings, as well as in, in other areas, we have our suburban settings increasing the, these mm-hmm. regions, suburban sprawl, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, people often kind of tell me, 
oh, well, there's a reason why, um, you know, these ticks are in our neighborhoods and these deer and all these other animals, because we're taking their their uh, territory. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. (laughs) What I think is that we're creating an environment where they can thrive rather than taking over the, you know, encroaching on their territory. We're creating a really nice place for them because you and I both know that a deer left in the big woods in a brutal or bitter cold winter has a very little chance of survival. Well, maybe it has some chance of survival, but mother nature can wipe out a portion of that deer population with, you know, in exceedingly cold winters because they'll just freeze and starve. I mean, there's no food left for them in the suburbs. It's quite the opposite. They have plenty of food. And the food not only is available to them when normally Mother Nature would not have available food for them. Right. The food contains more nutrition and higher in calorie content. So um, it, it helps them survive. They have shelter up against the house. I've seen deer in sheds hanging out. I've sure, seen them yeah. under a deck. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's interesting. Uh, they're very, you know, adaptable, of course. Um, so. The other thing is that our climate change has uh, played a huge role in this. I kind of figured that would be the case. I hate when everybody says it. Oh, every, you know, it's the catch all reason for things. But I wondered if, you know, if that had something to do with it. And it absolutely does, because there's a there's a lot of ingredients involved here with the uh, uh, why the ticks are spreading. But here's also a thing to remember. remember. I'm talking about deer ticks, but there are different kinds of ticks spreading into different areas and each of those ticks can have its own set of problems uh for example the lone star tick is known for carrying um ehrlichiosis or now this um uh, i think there's another virus that they've been known to be carrying heartland virus um and but they're not known to be carriers of lyme like the dog tick is more for rocky mountain spotted fever uh, than, than Lyme. But the deer ticks, uh, they are the culprit. They carry everything. Oh, and they do. I didn't know that. Oh, God. There, there's like 15 different things you can get from a tick, conceivably in one bite. And that would include microbes or germs in the parasitic, bacterial, and viral categories. Okay. Oh, wow. So covering the gamut. They cover everything. And now uh, there's a deer tick virus or Powassan virus that took the life of a a resident of Maine this year already. And that's pretty scary because the populations are increasing up there as well. So if you think about it, all right, it it could start with the the nut trees. You know what, do you know what a mast year is? Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah. So we've been having a lot of mast years, which means there's more nuts and what feeds on nuts. Well, mice and small rodents love nuts. And these acorns and other nuts are a good food source. So when they have plenty of food, their birth rates skyrocket. They're they're multiplying like crazy. So now you have a lot of mice and small rodents. And what are the uh, what we would call they are what we call competent hosts, meaning they're the primary source for all of these microbes that the tick gets into their bodies so they go on like a mouse they, they get on a mouse up they fall off they cl- crawl back up on that twig you walk by they jump on you bite you and then they that's how you get it yeah uh, a friend of mine uh from an entomologist from the cape calls it biologic ping pong and what happens is uh ticks are typically known to be born clean so that means they're, they're, if they bite you at that larval stage, you shouldn't have any worries. Although there's been some studies that are showing now a strain of Borrelia or a type of Lyme is now being present congenitally, so, oh, which really? is not good news because larval ticks are about half the size of those nymphs, which are just like poppy seeds. So, um, but let's just go with the clean tick is born, bites mm-hmm. a dirty mouse. Now that tick is dirty. So the tick goes through its life cycle, it goes to the next stage of life, and it can now infect a clean host, like a human or a dog or another rodent or mouse. Yeah. So that's how it all kind of takes place. So more nuts, more mice, more reservoirs for these microbes, and then climate change 
uh, and and more wildlife provide the vehicle for the ticks to spread. Uh, and it's primarily these migratory birds, it's deer, um, because you know a mouse might stay under your small shed in the backyard for its entire life, but a deer is in your yard one night, it's a mile down the road tomorrow night, it's maybe, you know, and, it, and it, that's really what proliferates the, um, the spreading. So more nuts, more mice, warmer temperatures, which mean ticks, uh, less ticks die off during the cold winters. Now ticks have a substance, that their body produces called glycerol and it's an antifreeze because they, these deer ticks will live two years. Oh, so wow. they definitely winter over and they definitely survive in areas like where you are in Wisconsin, yeah. Minnesota, up on the Canadian border where it's freezing. I mean, you know, but lately it hasn't been as cold. So it hasn't. The last few winters have not been, not right. been as cold. So you can have the, um, uh, you know, more ticks surviving. And when you have a female tick that takes its last meal off, meal off of a deer, and by the way, deer are what we call incompetent hosts. They do not harbor the, or, or it, it's not an environment where these microbes can survive. Oh, For really? some reason, and nobody knows why, nobody's really done the studies, but they don't get sick from it and they don't provide it to the ticks. But usually the adult tick feeds, especially the females, on a deer. And if and then when they finished feeding, that blood meal will uh, be nutrients for their laying of eggs and they can lay between two and three thousand eggs at a time. The, ma the male will typically not feed on a deer. They'll look for the female who's feeding on the deer mate and then they drop off and die. Sure. That's it. That's that's the, their their end of life. So what a way to go. Right. Holy so, <laughs> so the females, if you think about it, two to 3000 eggs, a deer can drop easily five ticks a day in the fall. Yeah. And if they're in my yard tonight and there's five ticks that they drop, I mean, yeah, five ticks drop and lay two to 3000 eggs. They're in your yard tomorrow night, a mile away, and they drop another five ticks times two to 3000 eggs. You see how it goes. If you have it like crazy, yeah, six or seven deer in a group in a, in a yarded up or even more, you know, you, you can see how that happens. So the, the odds are against us. And um, that's really the reason why they're, they're so plentiful now. And, uh, you know, we're having problems up in Canada. Um, uh, you know, I've been uh, contacted by some of the, the health people up there and other distributors because it's a new thing. And they're looking to the U.S. who has a lot of experience um, in trying to deal or claiming to deal with the, the Lyme disease issue in particular, uh, but definitely uh, has a little bit more handle on the tick issue in general. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's funny. Um, I never until last year, I didn't know that I can think of a, a deer that I shot that had a tick on it. Um, but the last two big and big game animals that I shot bear, a bear and a deer recovered in them. One was on an Island in Lake Michigan, uh, North Manitou, which is known to have a high rate of Lyme and, uh, lots of ticks, uh, which we saw them, but never got any on us. We loaded up into permethrin. Uh, and the other was on this bear from Montana, which, um, actually parts of it, it you know, they kind of do that rub in the, in the, the spring where they, you get little patches on their skin. And I'm convinced it was doing that to get all the ticks, ticks off of it. Cause it had a bunch, it had a bunch of ticks attached to it, which of course, after a while released after the, uh, the, the animal was dead and it's yeah, the deer was the same way. I'm walking around with my, him in my backpack, did not know that he was full of ticks Threw him in the, the pickup truck when we finally mm -hmm. got ferried off the Island. And I'm just, I'm seeing ticks. I mean, just every, everywhere. It gives me the willies to think about it still. Yeah. Well, the, the good thing about the deer tick is if they do get loose in your home, um, they probably won't last too long. They are really highly susceptible to levels of humidity. Interesting. And, and so I find that maybe two or three days max in a Ziploc bag, or even just in a, in one of these little plastic containers that I have, they just desiccate, they'll dry out and die. Um, the different types of ticks have different sensitivity levels to the humidity. Uh, dog ticks can actually, um, 
handle the, the lower humidities a little bit better than the deer ticks. So they can survive a little bit longer. But like I said, they're more known for Rocky Mountain spotted fever versus mm-hmm. Lyme. And it's, it's pretty rare. In our area, we hardly have any Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Uh, but in other areas of the country, it's something to be, to be looking at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, up here in, in uh, northern Maine, um, I think I read an article where like a majority of the, the moose fawns were being yeah. killed by winter ticks. And <sighs> these winter ticks don't usually get on people. They're very large, but they just destroy the moose. I mean, thousands of them. They're big. They, the moose not only becomes anemic from loss of blood from so many bites, but they're rubbing themselves on trees in the middle of winter. Uh, because of the irritant and they're removing fur and they're getting more susceptible to cold and they're freezing to death too. So it's, it's not a good life for a moose anymore up in, uh, up in Maine. No, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. I I even see, you know, I, I have a, I picked up a puppy, uh, let's see, year and a half ago Mm -hmm. and from Indiana, um, got him, and I'm convinced he got, so he ended up uh, taking him to the vet much later on. They said, Oh yeah, he's, he's had Lyme disease and he's got the antibodies. He's fine. Um, you don't have to worry about it. But for first I'm like, man, you know, is did that tick, is that something that happened when I had him? And is that tick somewhere in my house? Did it bite that we didn't know? Does one of us have Lyme disease and we don't know it or did he get it, you know, where the farm that he picked it up that I picked him up from. Yeah. You, uh, you, you never know. And, and once they're exposed, uh, I've got two dogs uh, Charlie, the black lab, um, definitely had a tick-borne illness. I didn't spend all the money to find out which one it was because right. typically the treatment's the same anyway. And I told the vet, I'm not going to spend the eight or 900 bucks on these tests. Give me the antibiotics. If in a few days he still is not well, then we'll go back and explore yeah. further. So sure enough, after a couple of days of doxycycline, he perked right back up. But boy, I tell you, he was a sad looking puppy at that point. He could, his back legs just wouldn't work anymore. He couldn't get on the bed and he stopped eating and just laid there and looked at me like, oh, the worst. oh it's horrible. And the other one, we know he's been exposed to anaplasmosis, which is another bacterial um, tick-borne illness. So, uh, but he doesn't have any symptoms. Yeah, I didn't see any on my dog and he's not, he's not a tough animal. So I would have thought I would have seen, you know, him, him react. Okay. So that's the background of where ticks are, you know, why they're spreading. The other thing is, you know, uh, the ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? So absolutely, we go out there. How do I avoid, how do I make sure I don't even get a tick on me? What's your protocol? Well, I mean, everybody talks about repellents and this and that. And I know, uh, at least in the beginning, uh, for, when permethrin was being introduced, it's part of the pyrethroid family. And just to clarify, it is a synthetic. uh, However, it's a synthetic uh, uh, compound formulated after the naturally occurring extract of the chrysanthemum flower. Mm -hmm. So it's been proven safe in a lot of long-term testings. However, it does not uh, react very well with cats. So it's just the way they metabolize it. Well, this is a product that is not to be used on your skin. It's to be used on your clothing. People, deer hunters in my, you know, my area up here were concerned about the scent. Uh, But, you know, trial and error, it really doesn't have much of an odor and it really hasn't deterred. Well, we can go down that scent road. If you're worried about that scent, then there's a lot of other scents that you're producing out of your body that, you know, are probably (laughs) equally as strong. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, and repellents. I'm um, not a huge fan of the DEETs or the Picardins or the organics uh, for ticks. I think they work great for mosquitoes and other biting flies, but ticks don't breathe very often. I mean, uh, they breathe from their abdomens. Uh, it's hard to see on this, but they have two little spiracles on either side of their abdomen. And they might even take a breath or two every hour sometimes. Huh. So they can be crawling across an area of your skin that has deed on it, not like it, but they'll just continue to kind of mosey around. Yeah. And, and um, you know, if they're crawling up my leg, they'll find an area uh, up North by my, yeah. you know, in my crotch that I didn't put deed on because I'm not putting deed on my, you know, and your deed, you don't want that. No. Right, right. Right. So they can find, they can, they can kind of traipse around on that uh, skin repellent stuff and, and find a place. 
Um, so I do like permethrin. I think it's really effective on ticks. As a matter of fact, you mentioned your dog. We recently, uh, Tiki's, partnered with um, a company called Insect Shield, which private labels a lot of permethrin clothing for hunters. But this is the Tiki's dog bandana. And nice. it is, uh, you know, I put this right on it so people can see. So that if somebody asks, what do you mean it repels ticks? Well, it's treated with permethrin. And if the ticks come in contact with this material for even as little as 60 seconds, it's pretty much lights out. And it may not happen right away. It may yeah. take a few hours, but boom, they're they're done. And it's odor free. It's safe for, for people and for dogs. And um, I, I really like it. And it's to, designed to be used on top of your Soresto or your Frontliner, mm -hmm. whatever your preferred flea and tick preventative is, it's designed to be on top of that because it doesn't do any good if the tick gets on the dog's butt, if the bandana is around the neck. But if you think about it, where uh, I know that most ticks get on the dog's face, yep. chin, or, un, or on the top of the chest because they're walking through the, the grass nose to the ground. And so most likely the ticks will come in contact with this and be affected by it. So uh, I, I love the permethrin. Um, as far as other prevention goes, there's really nothing much you can do in, unless you get a hoverboard and kind of <laughs> don't brush up against anything. Sure. Uh, our deer ticks are what's called questers. Uh, there are two types of, of methods for ticks to use to get on people or their hosts. One is to quest and one is to hunt. Now, uh, I'll use the deer tick and the Lone Star tick as uh, examples. These deer ticks don't have much uh, value or don't have much um, uh, activity in their sensory glands, so to speak. Um, they, uh, the Lone Star ticks have very sensitive um, sensory pads or Haller's organs, they, I think they call it. Um, they can detect carbon uh, dioxide. When you sure. breathe, they can detect kind of a heat signature and vibrations. And Lone Star ticks will actually hunt you down. They will detect you from 10 feet away and turn and run towards you. And sometimes they hang out in bigger groups. So you'll have like a little army of. That's what I had when I was glassing. Yeah. I look and there were the Lone Star ticks. Yeah. And they just all were coming, coming after me. So I'm lighting them all on fire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the problem because a Lone Star tick now has been proven to carry uh, a protein that will cause you to have an allergy to red meat. I, I've heard this and that sounds, I'll take lime over that. I, I don't, I want to be able to eat meat. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I, I eat so much venison. It's really my exclusive red meat now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something to be concerned with, but the deer tick sensory organs are not that uh, well uh, developed. So they basically take another approach called questing where they'll sit on the edge of a piece of grass or, or a bush with their arms outstretched. It's really sticky like Velcro on the tips of their, their legs. Um, I don't know if you could swell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a little tiny little pads. And so anything that brushes by, you know, now becomes um, the, the deer tick will hitchhike a ride on them. So, what is the most important thing I, I think really is to do your tick checks. I mean, it, it can't be more simple than that. Just to be vigilant, change your lifestyle a little bit. Once, especially if you're a hunter or if you're out scouting and, and setting cameras, you come home right when you get in the door, take off your clothes, put them in your hot dryer for 10 or 15 minutes on high heat. That sucks all the humidity out of the clothing and any ticks that are attached to that clothing will then, like I said, dry out because of the humidity levels. And it's just a rapid way to kill them. That's, um, a, great, that's a good date idea. You know, you're on a first date, take her for a hike in the woods. Yeah. You check each other for ticks afterwards. You, you claim it, you know, it's for her own safety and you see where it goes from there. Yeah. I have a, a button that says I'm a certified tick checker. <laughs> Very nice. So, you know, I say, I say, you know, I have to check you. I'm a professional. Yeah. Nothing great. Nothing funny. No funny business going on here. It's part of the Hippocratic oath. Yep. <laughs> um, or the hypocritical oath. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, so, you know, and you're naked. So, yeah, yourself. Yeah. And it's easy to see some, but 
Okay. So what about the nymphs? How do you, how do you find those little guys? How do you make sure? That's going to be more of a feeling than anything else. I mean, you were mentioning nymphs are a big problem and I agree with that. Yeah. Now, it's known, it's a known fact that, all right, ticks take a blood meal before they transition into another stage of life. Okay. So there's egg larva, nymph, and adults. The females will feed three times the males, usually about maybe two times because they, they don't have feeding on their mind when they're an adult, they want to mate and then they die. So the female deer tick is going to take this blood meal and, um, uh, will nourish itself so it can get to the next level of life. So the older a tick is, the more likely it has infection or those microbes inside of it. Right. Just simple common sense. It feeds more, has more of a chance to take in those microbes. The nymphs don't. So on average in our area or in the Northeast, uh, these are about 50 to 60% chance of carrying Lyme. Wow. The nymphs are about one in five. So while it's a much less percentage wise, more people are getting sick from nymphs because they don't find them. And you just have to use your, your, your repellents, your permethrin, do your checks, feel yourself. It's more of a feeling. You more feel like a little skin tag. Yeah. When you bump it, you can feel it both in your hand. That's rubbing against your skin, but it feels different when you rub against it, when it's attached to you, it's got like a, yeah, it's got, it's a little little floppy. Um, I've I'm fortunate in that I get a really nasty local reaction when the tick starts biting. And so some people have thought that I have some sort of, I think it's a histamine response to the tick saliva in general, Sure. regardless of whether it's carrying a pathogen that can cause illness or not. Mm-hmm. I get a big, nasty red welt, even with larval stage ticks. That's how I find them. I know because I get a big bump and it starts to itch and bother me. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that reaction. And that's where people are going to miss these ticks. So it's a constant thing. I mean, when I had hair, I used to sit around, watch TV at night and just just do this for an hour or two, you know, and just feel around. I, I do that same thing. Yeah. Just to feel for anything. I'm, I've been bitten about 225 times by deer ticks. Really? And I've never had one in my head. I've where, had where, it where? everywhere else between my toes in my private areas uh pulling a tick out of the there, man. yeah uh, i get a lot of them here on my sides under my arms and down you know along my rib cage that seems to be a good spot for them and, and ha- have you ever gotten any disease or any sickness? To my knowledge i have not now there was a lyme vaccine available in the late 90s for a couple of years and my father who was a physician worked with some people that were actually on the advisory board for the vaccine and those friends of his knew what I did, you know, as far as deer hunting and insisted that I get this vaccine. So mm-hmm. is it working? I don't know. Have I developed a resistance? I don't. Nobody knows. But well, why did they get rid of it? Oh, there was it's a long, complicated issue. It was expensive. It was three shots. People were starting to complain that they were getting side effects. And some I think believe there was some claims that um, stated that people that didn't know they had Lyme disease that got the vaccine got really sick. So rather oh, than, sure. yeah. And, and insurance companies didn't, you know, they were uh, against it because of the price. I, it, there was a lot of theories going on as to why it didn't, didn't survive. Um, funny how the dog vaccine survived because, you know, dogs can't really complain. And <laughs> it, it, I'm looking it, at my dog right now. I, yeah. Yeah. So he's got I mean, the natural immunity for by just getting Lyme disease. Yeah. Well, we, we don't know much about that. And like I said, it's really a difficult thing for the community, for the medical community to, to get their hands around this. So, um, you know, you can't fault them a hundred percent. No, it's just a tough thing. Um, so anyway, the, um, kind of lost my train of thought here on the, Oh, so the nymphs. Yeah. yeah so more people are getting sick from them and that's occurring now. Uh, May and June, um, because that's the cycle where the nymphs become more active. We're going to start not seeing adult ticks right about now in our, at least in our area, uh, because they're going to fade out and their activity will come back up when the last year's nymphs transition to this year's adults. And that occurs in the fall during hunting season. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen 
like I said, on that, that deer I had shot was in, what's that, late October. Mm, that's when um, you'll see tons of adult deer ticks. Yeah, ton, tons of them. Um, I, is there a, this is a question I meant to ask. Is there, are there certain people or blood types or something that, that attracted or don't I know sometimes people say that about mosquitoes? I, I've heard that theory. I can't really comment either way. I know that usually I get the most ticks out of everybody that I'm walking around mm-hmm. the woods with for some yeah. reason. Um, maybe they know I'm tick man, Dan, I don't know, but they're trying uh, to take it down. <laughs> but I, I also think that because the questing behavior of the deer ticks, usually a lot of the times when I'm with buddy or a couple of buddies and we're taking a trail into do some scouting, we're, we're walking somewhat single file. So okay. it makes sense that the first person or the first couple of people in that line would get more ticks than the last person, because unless they're spread out walking in a line, um, I'm getting all the ticks that they would have gotten. So it, it reminds me of this. You ever read far side comics? It's like uh, these, it was a long, yeah, a long time ago. Sure. These guys are like walking single file through the, this jungle. And the first guy apparently he's like mangled up in this, somebody set a trap and his body's mangled. And the other, the guy behind him is like, that's why you never walk first, you know, and that, that, that's the true. Cause like, I'll go out, I'll get a bunch on me. Usually I'll have more on me than anybody else, mm-hmm. but I have always the less, the least amount of bites. Like I've only had a couple actually attached to me where I've had buddies, you know, in Montana, uh, I was with a buddy and he got, he got a bunch. I mean, he's flinging them out of his hair in the shower. He's, you know, picking them off. And the whole time I, I figured it was because I used so much permethrin. I mean, I use like the, the big bottle and I just soaked all my clothes. Good. Um, but I didn't know if there was a blood thing or, or what. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting to look at, but uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't really give you a definitive answer on that, but um, you know, it's, it, I suppose anything's possible, you know, sure. with these ticks. So anyway, on the deer around here, we used to, uh, I used to, collect pregnant female live deer ticks for the university of Massachusetts, uh, had a tick testing lab as well as I think I sent some down to Texas A&M and, and to university of Rhode Island. Um, you know, we're pulling hundreds of them off our deer here and, uh, I've gone, t- I go tick hunting, you know, huh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, I've also had the pleasure of removing about 3000 plus live ticks from their hosts, just doing my research with my, you know, tick products. So, um, there's no shortage. So you're pretty good at it. You're pretty good at removing it. Yeah. And I've tried every single device and every method that you can think of, uh, just to see how they work so that I can, you know, uh, intelligently say, when I say, I know, I, I know you can't get a nymphal size tick out of your belly button with this. I'm talking from experience. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's important too. Uh, just so that I can see for myself, because I don't want to tell you anything that's not true or not valid. I don't want to sell you one of these things because because I made it. I want to sell it to you because it actually works. Especially can- something so serious. I mean, this is, could be potentially I means like life or death if if it goes wrong. Sure. This is serious. Absolutely, and and you know, there's a lot of components in one's prevention tool chest. Any of them on their own is better than nothing. Right. but not going to be as effective as using multiple tools, uh, as many as you can. Um, so, you know, it can all start with your yard and it can all start with your repellents and it all can start with, you know, all those things together with your tick checks and you're throwing the stuff in the dryer and don't ever get rid of that tick. If it was biting you save that tick because you may want to send it to, um, I've done that. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, this is a brand new product. And it was a result of a lot of thinking about all these different tools that you need. So this tick kit from Tickies was designed as a premium uh, tick specific first aid kit that when let's say little Johnny pops in from playing outside and says, you know, mom, what's this bump behind my ear? Now, what's the first reaction? Oh my God. You know, what do we do? So when mom or dad says, what do we do now? Now you know what to do because you can get this kit, you know, grab it, hang it on the peg and you have it waterproof, open it up. It's got everything you need. First thing you got to do is you pull out these waterproof cards and, you know, so you just discovered an attached tick. Now what? And it takes you through step by step. 
Oh, proper very tick, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proper tick removal for people, proper tick removal for pets. And where I go a step further is we are in partnership with the University of Rhode Island in a program called Tick Spotters, where when you take that tick out, you take an image of it, you go to the file the instructions on the card to go to their website, submit the image. Now, based upon based upon a lot of different things, uh, the type of tick, mm -hmm. the stage of the tick's life, their assessment of how long it was feeding, where geographically you live, and how you know, uh, and, and all that information, and then they use data from tick tests based upon all of that and can determine a low, moderate, or high risk factor. Okay. And then what options are there for every risk level? So low, moderate, or high. And, and then if it's a, if an option is to get the tick tested at a lab, well, we have our instructions here uh, that will show you how to go to the former UMass lab to get it tested. And you can even save $5 uh, using uh -huh. Tiki's promo code on your tick test. And that information can be useful if you do develop symptoms uh, or you just want a little peace of mind because here's the thing that I mentioned to you earlier, uh, parasites, viruses, and bacteria are different and you don't treat them all the same. Right. Babesia is a parasite. If you test positive or your tick tests positive for Babesia, but not Lyme, you know not to give it antibiotics, you give it anti-malarial medication. Sure. If it's Lyme and not Babesia, then you might want to start with doxycycline. And um, it's really important to not take medicine unnecessarily. And this information is between you and your doctor to disseminate as far as what type of um, course of action to take. So just is there a, you know, that, that's a question I had coming in because um, I've, you know, it's funny you pulled this out. I, I, I had this, that exact thing happen. I was uh, late at night one, one night uh, I've got a nine-year-old. She's probably six, seven years old. Calls me in. What's this thing behind my ear? Just yep. like you said. Well, yeah, that's a tick. It's been in there for a while. It's, it's dug in. And of course I tried to pull it out and uh, squish it. Yeah. I'm like, Oh no. You know, I, my wife's freaking out. Right. She, she hate, hated that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we, we sent it in, we did that, the send in thing and it, um, it came up negative. She was fine. Yep. But, um, but I guess the question I have is, so, you know, say you find one on your kid or on you, uh, mm -hmm. how long does it take before that, that bad, you know, tick juice yeah, is right. in you? Right. Can cause problems. Yeah. But uh, let me just point yeah, out sure, a couple sure. quick things. So, so in the kit, you, you know, it has step-by-step -step instructions. You've got your original tickies, stainless steel. Oh, yeah. You've got your um, antiseptic wipes. You've got your antibiotic ointments. Uh, and there's five sets of each in there. You've got your magnifier so you can actually see what you're doing. Sure. And uh, also has these containment bags, which will allow you to write your name and identify yourself, the date as well as your tick uh, testing ID, ID number once you register it. So, you know, it's just a handy little kit to have. And um, like I said, it's very tick specific. Now, you just mentioned about transmission times, and this has yeah. been a point of contention for a, a, a lot of people in the Lyme community. Um, my feeling is that no matter what happens, get that tick off as soon as possible. Sure. If you're talking about Lyme and some research, and I'm not, you know, advocating or condoning either way, some research has shown that it takes a while for that Lyme bacteria to move from the inside of this tick uh, into the, the host. And I'm not saying that it doesn't or it does, but I'm saying that even if it does take 24 to 36 hours for Lyme bacteria to get in, it takes 15 minutes for the Powassan virus to get into you. Sure. Okay. So, oh, you know, man. people are like, oh, I'm safe. I got that tick off, you know, in, in less than 20, you know, 20 hours. Well, did you know about anaplasmosis and tularemia and ehrlichiosis? Er 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 you can get tularemia. From a tick, yes. Because I know that's that's a big concern if you're shooting, uh, you know, small game rabbits and stuff when it's not, a, there's not a froze, a freeze yet. Mm -hmm. The tularemia, I believe. Yeah, you you can get them from that from ticks. Lovely. So you know, 
So don't just think you're safe because the you, you think you're safe from Lyme. There's that those other illnesses that can can tr- uh, be transmitted in varying different times. So always get the tick off as correctly and as quickly as you can. If you're stuck, if you're camping, and you don't have a tweezer or, or, or a proper device to remove it. Get it off any way you can without popping it. Um, a lot of people, you know, in a pinch, you can use a credit card and, and kind of scrape it. Um, if you leave the mouth part in, it's no big deal. Once the body of the tick is removed, you're at no further risk of being exposed. You've already been exposed as much as you're going to be. I've got the uh, tick that just the, the tweezers tool you have, the tickies. Uh, I throw it in my bino harness. I always take my bino harness out. It's got a little pocket in the back. It's, Excellent. you know, it folds down nice. Uh, so I, I figure that that's probably the safest place to have it. And I've got the, um, the box in our kind of our family go, yeah. go spot. Well, ne- next year we'll have an option to have the Tiki's two-sided tweezer in a folding unit that can be attached to your key ring. Oh, cool. So yeah. we're, work- we're working on developing that right now, but we added these two new products already this year. Um, and so we, 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 you know, it's a lot to handle when you're growing <laughs> a business and you're trying to make the sales and keep up with everything. And I'm still really a one man show here. So, sure. um, I, I wish I had more resources and more time to get everything going that I wanted, but, um, but I got to take it step by step. Well, only one guy, but yeah, you know, you today, I, like, I, I appreciate you, you taking the time, uh, ticks are something we've started to talk about more and more. Seems like weekly we have some kind of discussion about them, right? You have to. Uh, you're seeing them more than you ever have before. So just you coming on, um, telling us about ticks, uh, where to find them, what they carry, what to look out for, how to remove them. Yeah. And I and appreciate I'm, it. Uh, it's my pleasure to do this. I've been doing this like crazy. I mean, I do seminars. I talk to kids. Uh, I, I tried to develop a, uh, a program for, um, for children with stories Oh, where is it? I'm sorry. With stories um, that they can relate to. And we have these characters like Tiki Lime Bomb <laughs> and, and Pal for Powassan and Babs for Babesia. You know, all these great little characters. And we have and Babs look like an ant I had, actually. <laughs> Aunt Babs. And we have the good guys here. We have Uncle Tickaway and Antibiotic. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Like antibiotic. <laughs> and we have Taki, the blue tick coonhound. And, you know, you know where I'm going with that. Yeah. So, you know, again, time and, and this is more of something that I enjoy. But, yeah, I do talk to a lot of people. We do some radio stuff. We were actually the product was featured on Good Morning America last weekend, and we did quite well on their deals and steals segment. So the awareness is 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 coming up. And, and I hope to continue to, uh, you know, be like the Smokey the Bear of tick. Yeah, you, you need to have somebody. No, I, one last question, and then I, I can let you go. So. And I know this might cut into sales, but say the perfect weather event, right? So like the perfect weather event for wiping out large swaths of ticks, like what, you know, if I'm looking out for something and hoping for this, you know, this weather event to come and, you know, really reduce the tick population, what what am I looking for? Unless lightning strikes an arid plain or your fields and burns it. Yeah. I'm not sure anything's going to, going to do that unless, uh, Unless we enter an ice age. Sure. We need some cold. <laughs> so some continuous cold. Uh, yes. But again, it. these these ticks have a, an antifreeze within them. But um, I mean, I was, if, I was hoping for something a little bit more positive. You know, no, like, no. I, I can't give you any good news along those lines, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I, I, I would like to say that, you know, I'm accessible if anybody has questions. They can contact me easily through the website or through my my toll-free number. And, um, you know, it's at tickies.com. It's very easy, T-I-C-K-E-A-S-E.com. And um, also the, the telephone number you can reach me at during business hours is 855-TICK-READY. Ready. So yeah, that's yeah. easy. You can leave the last DY off if you want. Otherwise, if you type it or you press it in, it'll still get to me. Um, and you know, we are also looking for some good wholesale partners. So if any of your listeners, um, have shops or work in, uh, larger retailers, we, we would welcome, um, wholesale accounts to be set up. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I'm looking at your, um, 
your social media right now, Tick Ease. Look up Tick Ease, one word, and you'll find it on Instagram as well. So, uh, Dan, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Um, and, you know, as always, everybody who's listening, if, if you have any questions, if you're, you know, whatever, anything Tick related, you know where to go. So thank you again, Dan. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure to be here. I will leave you with one piece of advice. Tick Man yeah. Dan says, do your daily Tick, tick Checks and don't neglect your crevices. all right thank you man hey everybody thanks for listening to this episode we really do appreciate it if you want to go on to any kind of social media platform give us a like share subscribe you know it really help us out keeps the train rolling and if you guys really like what you're listening here either way even if you don't like it even if you don't like it five stars helps everyone out see you out there